Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Sports Podcast, the Jake and Joe edition, which of course will take place every Tuesday up until the actual NFL playoffs. Normally, each Tuesday we'll talk waiver wire pickups, guys you want to roster, guys you want to get ahead of things, but that'll happen obviously closer to the start of the season. For now, we're going to focus on tips and tricks for new fantasy players and just overall general strategies we've noticed while doing our off-season drafts. Stick around. The show is about to start once I figure out the correct button to play. <laughs> Uh oh goodness. This is obviously a great way to begin. All right. Well, uh Jake, because I'm struggling to figure out the button to press and because we don't need any more awkward silence, let's get on with it actually. Welcome to the Tuesday Jake had to save me on that one. Thank you very much. I, I, I didn't know I could do that. It's a gift or not. But, uh, hey, it's great to be back, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Need, yeah, welcome to the Tuesday, July 26th edition of the Rotoire NFL podcast brought to you by Dynasty Owner. I'm Joe Bartle. You can find me at JB Fantasy Sports. At least tell me on Twitter next time to learn the buttons before I begin the podcast, if nothing else. And here with me, the guy who saved the day is Jake Tarski at Roto Jake. Uh, before we get started, obviously, I outline what we're going to do. We're talking about general strategies, in particular redraft strategies, whether it's Superflex or your base PPR 12-team formats. we got them both covered. I want to get a word from our sponsors here, Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports, and are you ready for a new challenge this year? If that's the case, Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding to the strategy of uh, running an actual franchise. Dan Dynasty Owner, my goodness, provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You'll have complete control over your team's future. You can build the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at dynastyowner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to receive $5 off your new team. I currently have a team in the expert dynasty owner league. I won last year, thanks in large part to Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. And I'm in a complete rebuild as a result because uh, my salaries with Jamar Jackson and a few other QBs didn't match up. So that's the fun part of this. I just won last year. I'm trying to rebuild the team. I think dynasty owners are a really unique experience. And I'm having a lot of fun right now uh, participating in it. So, Obviously, Jake, we're going to be talking general strategies for today. Uh, you and I both have had some recent drafts. I, I did the Vegas Runaway draft, which I talked about on SiriusXM last Friday. Uh, and I did the Superflex draft as well, too. And you participated in the, I think it was the SiriusXM draft from like a couple of weeks ago when, when you were at the FSTA con yeah, convention, right? FSTA in Detroit. They built a nice new MGM brand, the hotel yeah. casino there. Uh, so we got back together for a conference. That was a little over a month ago. And I took uh, fifth overall here, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit towards the end, and um, and uh, we'll, we'll see from there. We'll, we'll give it a go here. It seems like I might be having some trouble with some sound on my end here. I want to double check that. Um, here, let me yeah. just, let me just quick change the setting here. Okay. Uh, yeah. While you do that, Jay Red asks, "Can I pick a kicker in the first round?" No. Uh, I would still recommend, as has been the day uh, since fantasy football has started, do not take a kicker in the first round. Uh, no matter what Chris Liss's articles might tell you with Justin Tucker and his love for Justin Tucker, definitely not mm -hmm. when you want to take in the first round. 
I caught that in the Jake and the Mike. I wonder if the listeners also did as well, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no kickers in the first round. How do I sound, guys? Can you get me now? <laughs> Definitely loud, at least in my ears. I'm not positive about anybody else. All right. All right. All right. So, um, I'm just going to lean forward. Sorry about the quality here. I, I just flipped the whole computer sound. This uh, soundboard has been giving me hell here. So, hopefully, we are free of issues. We can edit out that whole mess of an intro uh, for the <laughs> podcast version, and, and we can get after it, guys. So, thank you very much. Thank you very much for bearing with us here. Anyway, as I was saying, yeah, we'll talk about my draft in the end. I did an FSGA Experts League about a month ago, uh, and it was a uh, 14-team full PPR, which, uh, again, it throws a, a wrench in the whole roster construction here. So the theme of the a show today here is going to be just general draft strategy, preferred draft spots, um, and, and roster construction. And I will say one thing before we get started. You know, I come from uh, – the, come from the MMA background, right? Or, I mean, I guess I was doing football coverage here before MMA, but if I've learned anything from MMA and professional fighting, it's that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? Yes. And it is the same thing. Mm-hmm. It is the same thing with fantasy football here. You can you can have your draft strategy plan. You can have a set of players, a set of targets in each round, but you absolutely have to react. You have to get ready for someone to snipe a player that you thought for sure would fall to you. You have to get ready to recognize a value, even if it means taking your third running back third wide receiver if a tremendous value comes to you in these first couple rounds you have to jump on it here and that's why you're always kind of comparing uh you know you know the cheat sheet in the draft room to to adp to our rotowire custom rankings here you have to be ready to audible call an audible and um and, and, you know, and just take it from there and execute your plan. So we'll give you some general plans, some general tips, and uh, we'll show you how that applied to drafts that, that you and I have both been doing uh, so far this mm-hmm. year. But once again, you know, you're going to have to be flexible here. You don't want to be, you know, caught with your pants down, so to speak, and, and not know what to do because something unexpected happened here. So uh, hopefully that gets the uh, cl- the clear point because, again, we'll, we'll give you we'll give you some tips, but uh, be ready to adapt is what I'm saying. I've always said, especially as we've we've transitioned over to this, we'll do Rotoware podcast every week. Everyone has their certain brands and the certain things they're targeting. And I really appreciate, uh, Jake, that you and I have kind of dived into this over the last couple of years where we're trying to help the newer players. Uh, certainly if you're an experienced player too, I think there's a lot of strategies and recommendations and just thought processes that maybe you hadn't went there before. And I, I've always mm-hmm. consumed fantasy sports media in the way that I want as many opinions as possible. We're able to present that to you. And I think in a way that a lot of people, especially newer might be able to get, uh, get behind and understand. It's great to see all the new faces and some of the returning faces from previous years that we've been doing these podcasts. I don't know what year we're on yet four or five uh, actually doing the show together, but it's been great. And uh, I'm looking forward to kickstart the rest of the season. Again, we're going to have shows up until uh, the start of the actual NFL playoffs. So it's grind time for you and me for, for the rest of the NFL season, which I can't wait for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here we'll uh, we'll give you a variety of topics, and of course, get after us on Twitter if you want to hear about any uh, specific topics. But I know Joe, you kind of had some structure to the show. A draft strategy show can be <laughs> uh, can be yeah. a little bit all over the place. But uh, where do you want to start? Well, we actually have a bit of breaking news that occurred uh, a little bit earlier today, and I think it's going to go under the radar because the surgery is at, at times it's, it's it's unpredictable. But you more or less know the recovery time frame. Obviously, most teams, I think every team. By the end of today, we'll have been reporting to training camp, either the players or coaches. Mm -hmm. We do have news that Joe Burrow actually has appendicitis, which means he's having his appendix removed. Will not be at practice, obviously, today. What that report is not going to say is he's not going to be at practice probably for the rest of the week. I don't know if they want to clarify that now. As somebody who had appendicitis last year, has appendix removed from an emergency surgery, whatever else, I can tell you Burrow is not practicing for this week. And I would would be shocked (laughs) if you see Joe Burrow at all. For the entire preseason, um, mm-hmm. I, I, having having went through this again just this past year, it was I, – I mean, I was walking after two weeks, and I imagine uh, much more fit and athletic Joe Burrow would be able to do that much sooner. <laughs> but I'm thinking like taking hits, things like that. There's no way that's going to be occurring until uh, much later in the preseason. I'm not moving to about my rankings at all, but yeah, I think you should be yeah. mindful of it. Yeah, absolutely not. You don't touch him in your rankings. He he's the same outlook, you know, that he was ahead of time. And uh, you know, I guess if we're going to talk in, you know, like some minor breaking news points today, I did see that uh, Derrick Henry. They pretty much made it clear he's going to sit out the entire postseason. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's a little bit of news there. And uh, you know, once we get to my draft, I have some strong takes on Derrick Henry that definitely uh, contradict <laughs> some of our other analysts here. So it'll be it'll be some fun some fun topics of conversation and and how I just busted up a draft strategy and. 
possibly busted up a strategy of some other people behind me, uh, you know, coming out of the fifth spot there. But uh, yeah, little bits of news and notes. It's really hard to uh, dissect this in training camp here, you know, very rarely on, on day one of training camp, you know, th- those types of news to me have as much of an impact on how I'm fantasy drafting as Aaron Rodgers showing up looking like Nick Cage from Con Air. Total badass, by the way. Um you know, again, it's just trading camp news. You know, we can filter that kind of stuff out for now. Yeah. Again, actionable news will occur on throughout the training camp process and uh, ourselves. And I'm sure many other people on the Red Aware podcast network will discuss it too. But just wanted to point that out when it comes to Joe Burrow that I would anticipate he will not play much, if at all, during the preseason. Okay. So I had mentioned we're talking redraft strategy. And uh, I think I've done maybe eight best balls so far. I'm on uh, two, re- two redraft leagues that we've drafted in a dynasty owner one as well too. So I have a little bit of experience right now into what I'm, I'm finding to be important information, context that I want to have entering the draft. And, you know, we might be fantasy experts, but I think we're dealing with the same questions at the beginning of the draft process that many of you that are listening would be as well too. What do I want to do in my roster? Do I want to have two running backs over the first three picks? Do I want to draft a quarterback early, late? When am I targeting some of these sleeper running backs? All these questions are going to unfold as we continue on through the hashtag draft season. But right now, we're at the very start of it, as much as the NFL teams are, too. So there's a couple of questions that I think, uh, and, and Jake, you can chime in as well, too, that mm-hmm. I've had to identify that I at least want to have an answer for. You could change things up, but I want yeah. to have an answer for it to begin with. And the first one's going to be, when do you want to take a quarterback? And this is important because we have Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen all going within the first four rounds thereabouts. And whatever order you might have them in, it's those three and that range. And the question becomes, do you take one of those guys who have the upper echelon elite production, or do you wait till there's some value guys that we'll discuss later on a quarterback that you could target instead? So is there a strategy, Jake, that you kind of uh, tend to appreciate mm-hmm. one or the other? Yeah, I'm glad we're addressing this. And this tends to be something we address almost every year, it feels like, and rightfully so, because everybody whose first time is playing fantasy football wants to generally ask this question. When I would go on radio shows, they want to ask this mm. question. It's part of the it's part of the list here. And you know, some people who are playing fantasy for the first time will look and see, well, geez, eight of the top 10 fantasy scorers last year in standard leagues were all quarterbacks. They scored the most points. Why don't we take them in the first round? And, you know, that's a very flawed way of thinking. And, uh, you know, I'll get into that a little bit because uh, all the quarterbacks are, are the highest scoring, right? So, you know, the difference between, uh, you know, QB1 and QB8 marginally is probably going to be a lot different than the difference between RB1 and RB8. So, uh, to, you know, to try to explain that, you are uh, you can get good quarterbacks and wait still, whereas you want to put a lot of draft stock into, uh, you know, into the harder-to-find skill positions like running backs and receivers. And when we did this show last year, I went back a few years and did a little bit of uh, analysis. I would compare quarterback ADP to uh, quarterback scoring, uh, you know, over the years. And and I'll be honest with you guys, last year, Josh Allen, he broke the mold. He was number two in ADP, and he finished number one in scoring, basically in a tier of his own. Um, but that seems to me to be maybe the exception and not the norm. And who knows, maybe Josh Allen's about to jump in and take over this league for the next five years and force us to rewrite this entire set of <laughs> rules. That could happen. I won't rule it out. But in 2020, 2019, and 2018, uh, three years in a row, the top overall quarterback score was not a top three uh, uh, in average draft position here. So, uh, you know, if that trend continues, you know, again, a four-year sample size, that's not much. But the, but the point of this is uh, you want to find guys, if you're a league winner, a league winning play is to wait on quarterbacks. You know, a, 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 the conservative maybe like you take the quarterback early you're missing such a solid running back or receiver that'll anchor your lineup and be in there every week you know the goal is to find uh you know justin herbert before he broke out you know justin herbert turned out to be um Let's see. He was number seven in ADP last year, and he was the number two overall scorer here. Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, none of those guys sniffed the top 10 in ADP. Um, and, and, and those guys were league winners. You know, Matthew Stafford was a league winner, and he was 10 in ADP. So you're looking at guys you can get in rounds eight through 12, and you got to find the guy that you can get in rounds eight through 12. And, and that's the league winning draft pick right there here. So I will always, uh, I'll very rarely take a quarterback early. I mean, 
it would have to, for me, it would have to be again, because always you always adjust your draft strategy, right? Mm-hmm. If you're slipping into the third or fourth round and suddenly Mahomes or Herbert are somehow still on the draft board because everybody's been listening to listening to this show, everyone wants to shore up your skill positions, then yes, that would be a situation when you call an audible. But the price that you're paying for these guys is usually a second round pick, sometimes an early second round pick. And that that's just way too steep to pay for any quarterback, even uh, generational talents here. So it's it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I, I completely agree. And I think as we continue on throughout the the fantasy draft process, I will have more rosters where it's it's lesser lesser up, up upper end quarterback. So like I have I think three shares of Justin Herbert in the best ball leagues that I've done thus far. And I should say I I've I've done eight best ball and, and three redraft. Those numbers, at least from redraft perspective, are going to triple over the next couple of weeks, and I would imagine best ball is probably around there too. And and Jake, it's probably the same for you too. I I love the drafting process, and I think this is a lot of fun and could be used for unique ways uh, from a viewership perspective. I I did take Justin Herbert in a couple spots. I took him in the Vegas draft, mm-hmm. which we'll kind of discuss a little bit further. And not only did I take Justin Herbert in round four, I actually also took Lamar Jackson in round seven. Mm-hmm. And my thought process was, especially in these expert leagues, and I know you're aware of it the experts tend to fade the quarterback position because they know the stats that you said, Jake, where, Mm -hmm. you know, X, Y, and Z can change things around, but you have these value guys. What ends up happening is overall the quarterback position gets depressed. So while you might have a Mahomes or Josh Allen Mm -hmm. or Herbert that don't, that don't parlay into the uh, advantage that you hoped you would get in round three, four, five, drafting them, you're going to still have that advantage because they're going down further. I'm not giving 11 other people a Lamar Jackson round seven advantage. Point blank, straight up, mm-hmm. it will not happen. And I, yeah. you know, this doesn't apply to the super flex leagues. I get it, but like, there are going to be players with this quarterback, or even like a a running back, Antonio Gibson mm-hmm. fell around eight in, in this draft as well too. I, I don't want smart users to have that type of advantage, and I think you have to be mindful that even if you you mm-hmm. are putting yourself at a disadvantage a little bit from a, a drafted perspective yeah that, and that's absolutely what i'm getting at when uh when i talk about being ready to call an audible and make that play if all 11 other members of your league are uh you know are, are fading quarterbacks entirely there eventually gets to be a point where it's advantageous to take one absolutely and i'll one last thing i'll say on quarterbacks is i have a personal dilemma in a keeper league of mine um regarding justin herbert here where we only get two keepers and you pay the uh the price that you paid at auction or via fab um or you know the, the season before here. And I think this dilemma perfectly illustrates, um, you know, our quarterback situation here. I could keep Justin Herbert for $12 and uh, you know, every auction list, we'll talk more about auctions. I'm sure down the road here, but every auction list has him going for well over that, but also I could keep James Conner for $6 and T Higgins for $8. So the decision for me is easy. You know, even if you look at projections and total fantasy points, Herbert's probably going to score 200 points in either of the 200 more points. Maybe that's just, uh, maybe that's an exaggeration, 150 more points, let's say uh, than either of those players, but I'm definitely keeping the skill guys. I'm keeping the running back and the wide receiver because I'm confident that, uh, you know, the auction dollars I'll save, you know, in terms of the margins on those guys will allow me to get a somewhat decent quarterback and also that there will be plenty of other decent quarterbacks available. Nobody really keeps quarterbacks in a format like this because everyone is well-versed and generally pretty educated on how to construct the roster of their fantasy team. Wait, was there a question? Do I need to, do I need to pick which one to have for you? Oh, no, I, I'm saying I'm answering my own question <laughs> okay. in, in that my answer is T Higgins and James Conner and that I'm throwing Herbert back into the field, even though theoretically he provides some value here. Now, if, now, if you think differently on that dilemma and, and you have a case for taking Herbert, um, you know, no, I, then, I then agree we'll with you. I agree with you on that choice, even though as a guy that, again, is taking Herbert uh, in round four. And, you know, to be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll stick the flag here. I think he's by far. I like him more than Mahomes. So I think he's a, a top two QB overall, and maybe I'm not getting extreme value, but uh, I think it makes quite a bit of sense. The only the only reason I bring up do you have to decide on the quarterback um, entering the draft is because there's a lot of later round guys, and and this kind of leads to my next point. When you are drafting, have tiers in your mind, and I'm saying running back tiers, wide receiver tiers, quarterback tiers. That's really important. I found that I found that's most helpful in this past draft when I was doing with friends and uh, guys at the Vegas draft, all these guys are really sharp and, and know what's happening and, and quick decisions are being made. We're, we're uh, hazing each other about how fast the selection's going. Yada, yada, yada. I want to have a mental idea of, I think this player, let's just say Leonard for for example, is equal to another player. Let's say Aaron Jones. And maybe I have a preference one way or the other, but more, more or less they're in that same tier or quarterback, for example, like Derek Carr is in the same spot as Kirk cousins. So when I see Kirk cousins go, 
I know I need to have a Derek Carr selection in mind, or I'm just going to be punting that tier. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I don't know, like Jake, in, in past drafts, do you rank these players in tiers beforehand? I know the RotoWire app is a, a number of different ways to be able to use that feature as well, too. Or are you more like a, I'll go off the cheat sheet in the board and more or less operate with my tier system in that place instead? Yeah, I don't necessarily mark up a cheat sheet and whatnot, but I do have it in my head, like, um, you know, drafting, making sure to draft the last of a tier. Or if you're deciding between two positions and there are, you know, four four wide receivers that you'll that you'd equally like. But after, say, like Zach Ertz, you have the tight end tier line dropping off. I'd be more likely to take the tight end. Um, you know, than one of the four receivers because the chances of one of those four receivers who I value equally coming are coming back to me is better than, uh, you know, waiting out this run on tight ends and having to punt the position or something like that. So, you know, and, and that works, you know, tight end being especially scarce of a position this year. That's one where you have to think about tiers a lot in fantasy football. But, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it. You know, all the Rotowire draft tools, you can kind of customize your tiers by position however you'd like here, and you can even sort the player list by tiers. But it's a it's a very uh, longstanding and very popular draft strategy uh, to set your tiers ahead of time um you know i usually don't take the time to go through and mark them all i kind of keep it up up here and then you just like want to make sure like well in auctions a lot of times you'll see people will crazy overpay for the last player in a tier because they missed out on that you don't want to be the sucker that ends up uh that ends up going through and overpaying like that so it's almost more important in in auctions the tier base but definitely i see what you're saying in uh, snake drafts which i think is going to be the focus of what we discussed today for sure. And, you know, maybe you're, you're spoiling the content for next week when we talk about uh, the auction keeper draft as you and I both get prepared for the stake league, which uh, happens a little bit uh, after that time period. But yeah, it's the, mm-hmm. the tier thing is really important to me. And I really think this year it's important because it's, it's answering the questions that will post you again, where do you want to take the quarterback? Okay. Well, if you don't want to go early on, who are your later round tiers? And is there that mid tier, whether it be like a Jalen hurts or Tom Brady or, or Joe mm-hmm. Burrow uh, or Trey Lance. And I think that's going to be kind of uh a unique conversation that you have to have this year is what do you want to do with some of these younger quarterbacks? So Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. Justin Fields to a lesser extent. Like I, I just don't believe in what the bears are doing, <laughs> but the other three, it's like uh, they're, they're in different spots of the draft, but they are all guys that you might have to draft or probably will draft uh, depending on, on how deep your league is. So I won't do this for every position, Jake, but I actually do think it's important to talk about our late round QBs now while we mm-hmm. are in this conversation, I've identified a few and I want you to say yes or no on guys you like or don't like. And then we'll kind of maybe circle on one or two that you really are into. So my late round QB value. Now, again, I'm thinking like 11 and later. That's what late round is to me. Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, who I was getting in best ball, mm-hmm. like 18, the last round of best ball, uh, who's now going a little bit higher than that. But I love Matt Ryan's late guy. And then like Trey Lance, who I know doesn't fit that ca- uh, criteria closely but this is an eight through 11 round qb guy in trey lance who i know a lot of people might be concerned with that i like quite a bit so is there anybody from that list that you are yes or no on or is even more that you want to add on to the late round guys yeah so those guys for me um you know, maybe, maybe Carr could, t- you know, they, they've had such a long sample size that you know what you're getting out of them. You're getting anywhere from QB 12 to QB 15, depending on who's healthy and who puts in 16 games over the course of the year. So uh, it's good to get one of those to have a stable quarterback that can, uh, you know, you can kind of count on for 20 fantasy points a week for the most part. So, you know, I, I'm not going to veto any of those guys by any means, but what I'm trying to focus on too is you pair, a st- if you're going to wait that long on quarterbacks, you want to pair a stable guy with a guy like upside and uh, you want to talk about a guy you know similar to Jalen Hurts last year turned out to be an exceptional fantasy quarterback mm-hmm. and you know you have the rushing in, in there and, and and there's some team contacts too but Trey Lance man you're paying you know people are almost ahead of the curve on this strategy because Trey Lance is suddenly a top 100 pick in the NFFC and he's uh, QB 13 overall He's going right behind Aaron Rodgers, right in front of uh, Carr and Cousins. But a guy like Trey Lance um, is somebody that you should be targeting, I think. You know, maybe not Trey Lance in specific, but he is the, someone like Trey Lance has a much bigger chance to go from QB 15 and ADP up to a top five 
QB fantasy scorer. You know, the ceiling's so high. He's got Debo around for now, you know, and he can uh, create extra fantasy points with his legs, even in losing efforts. And, you know, they've had a hard time with running back stability. They kind of carousel through. So the quarterback will get a lot of the uh, uh, of the rushing combo there. And, uh, you know, I go further down the list here. Um, I did want to ask you uh, about your boy last year. Is Trevor Lawrence <laughs> dead to you? Or are you still going to give him a chance? Because I know dealing with your personal biases is a whole nother uh, topic mm-hmm. that we that we can discuss here. Guys that hurt you in the past, guys that got injured in the past. You know, I know a lot of people that weren't touching Joe Mixon at any cost, and it's coming into the same thing this year about do I want to not touch Saquon Barkley at any cost because he's burned me so many times in the past. You know, you kind of have to erase those personal biases and start start fresh here. But when you talk about a young guy on a team that has a, a better coaching situation, a better talent, personnel situation, more healthy, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that could easily go from QB 20 to QB 10, um, you know, if, if things fall the right way. And you're going to get him at a much cheaper price than someone like, uh, you know, than someone like uh, Trey Lance. What are your thoughts on him this year? Yeah, you and I were both in, in Vegas uh, last week for the Rotoware annual Vegas trip. And uh, you don't know this, but I had uh, slipped out for a, a nice drive and we went to the middle of the desert and I actually dug a pit uh, and I, I put Urban Meyer there. I, I Trevor Lawrence, I saved actually. Trevor Lawrence and I were hanging out. We put Urban Meyer in the pit. We found actually that Urban Meyer had already put himself in the pit when he was at that bar, uh, what, seven months mm-hmm. ago with that one lady. Yeah, Thumbs I, up to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I'm actually still completely fine with Trevor Lawrence. I, I did get burned. He was mm-hmm. one of those guys that I was completely in on as a later round QB that never materialized. But I love the Doug Peterson change. I like the weapon of Christian Kirk being added to this mix and Travis mm-hmm. Etienne now coming back from that foot injury who I wasn't in on Etienne last year. I'm, I'm a little bit more interested, I guess. I'm probably still not going to have many shares of him, but we'll get to that as well from a roster construction standpoint. Uh, yeah, I, I I will be completely fine taking Trevor Lawrence. The guy that I have changed my tune on is Zach Wilson. It's not for the reasons you'd think it is, although Twitter might make you think so. I, I just like he was not very good last year, and and I was not a huge mm-hmm. fan of Zach Wilson whatsoever when he was drafted. I thought of the quarterbacks of that past class, he was four behind ahead of Mac Jones or right around that range. And I know Mac did well, Wilson did not. Mm-hmm. How how can you how can you fail? as a QB, given the uh, circumstances that Zach Wilson's going to have. So better tight end play. The O-line's going to be improved. I think the addition of Elijah Moore in the second year is going to be nice. Garrett Wilson might be mm-hmm. like the fourth receiver on that team. He's pretty darn talented. And you also have Brees Hall, who's going to make things better from a rushing perspective. Overall, the Jets got significantly better offensively. So if Zach Wilson is just like even mediocre, he should be a guy that uh, goes well above his ADP. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying here. You find a guy like Zach Wilson, who's QB 25 in the NFFC right now. He suddenly, you know, he certainly has the weapons to do it. He suddenly moves up to QB 12 even, you know, that's, uh, you know, not even too crazy. I'm not calling him a top 10 or anything like that. If he ends up at QB 12, that's a league winning kind of pick here because mm-hmm. you waited on quarterback. You bolstered the depth of the rest of your roster. You're going to have injuries. You need to have depth. And uh, yeah, Wilson's one that could do that. Um, I know you, you said that uh, you don't like fields before, but uh, I could see him having a Jalen Hurts type of year where in a sense where yeah. he gets points with his rushing and he, he, from an offensive standpoint, the Bears find themselves behind in the second half. I mean, Jalen Hurts' uh, managers last year, you, you knew the situation, right? You were going to get, you know, maybe three or four fantasy points in the first half, and then he was going to make up for it with 15-20 in the second half unless he's, you know, just started throwing picks and getting benched. I see a similar situation with Justin Fields, whereas he's uh, he, he's viable. And, you know, some of this uh, – Maybe, uh, I mean, guys like Wilson and Fields might not always get taken in your standard uh, 12-team league, uh, single quarterback, redraft type deal. Uh, and those are guys you put on your watch list and maybe see how they're doing and, and think. And they're easily guys I could see us discussing. I was going to say, let me talk about in, in week one of the waiver wire here. Um, and, yeah, and, and that's a great super flex strategy too here. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into that yet, but I was looking, um, when we do get to your super flex, there's one team that stand out to me, and it's the first team that decided to not go quarterback in round one here. So I don't know if we want to jump to that or we want to hit some well, other draft points we'll, first. We'll come, we'll come back to the because I think there's ways to circle back to the super flex uh, mm-hmm. questions that pop up too, but you're right. There, there's, there's some interesting strategies there. I, I want to jump to the other part that I think is really important um, before we get to work for some of our sponsors, but it's, it's how many running backs do you want to have after round three? 
this is going to be a surprisingly crucial question. And again, I'm sure everyone out there listening is like, oh, well, yeah, Joe, we've, we, we answer this every year. It's X, Y, and Z. And, and mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm the patron saying that I will take two running backs within the first three rounds. I've been doing that for a number of years now. I think this might be the year where we can deviate from that strategy. It's really before over the last three or four years. It's to a point, though. I, I want to stress that because as we're doing this podcast, what, July 26, things can dramatically change as more people are getting involved. The ADP changes uh, on your ESPN and mm-hmm. Yahoo sites, whatever else. But right now, with the way things stand, I think you are set to take only one running back within the first three rounds more than ever before. But I guess, Jake, have, have you kind of seen that thought process? Yeah, so there are two thought processes here. You know, one is, of course, like you said, you take two out of your first three running backs because it's the hardest position to fill in mm-hmm. fantasy football. And the first three rounds of the draft are really the only chances you're going to have to get a workhorse back. After that, you're looking at committee guys and are hoping that your guy gets a shot every week. Now, the complete opposite of that strategy, which was coined probably five or six years ago, it wasn't too far after I started uh, you know, working for Rotowire here is the zero running back strategy here where uh, you take no running backs until rounds five or six and then try to make up with them. You try to make up that position by going quantity over quality. You draft. That's your most drafted position. You have six guys to get some backups and hope one of them works out. And two, you combat that by knowing you're running back short that you jump on the first fab bid uh, of the year. Be ready to dump your whole. The Elijah fab, Mitchell. Yeah. Last year. Yes, exactly. Be ready. to Yeah. And again, it takes some skill to get a guy like that, too, because there's always a couple of uh, false flags for every Elijah Mitchell there is. But uh, so, so there are two uh, thought processes this year. And to me, it varies at every point in the draft. I know Pete shot a great video for uh, our YouTube channel where he basically says, if you don't have uh, if you don't get, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor or Delvin Cook in the first round to pretty much go zero running backs and go wide receivers with the thought process being you use wide receivers on your first two picks. You could end up with Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams or, you know, Jamar Chase and Tyree Kill or something like that. Guys, you know, and, and, and the jury's still out on Tyree Kill, but in theory, you're taking guys that are generally safer, right? And guys that are maybe a little less injury prone than a running back who's got a lot of tread on his tires. And uh, you and you just have those surefire receiver spots getting you 20 points a week in your lineup, being safe, and then you'll just kind of figure out running back as you go. And to be able to, you know, it's a very, very viable draft strategy that depends on uh, your pick. It depends on who's on the board. I think it's easier to execute at maybe six, seven, eight in the draft because there's definitely a chance that, uh, or a good chance that the safe running backs or running backs that you deem safe are going to be gone. And uh, so it's more viable then. And it also depends on who gets taken and who do you put in that tier one of running backs. And Mm-hmm. And if I'm in a tier running backs, you know, I put Jonathan Taylor number one in his course, own tier, right? And I'm pretty sure I'm putting him in his own tier, right? Yeah. But then you have to decide, man, do I really cr- trust Christian McCaffrey at number two? He's number two in NFFC ADP, uh, you know, going back to February. So, you know, maybe I'm going back a little too far on this, but, um, you know, do you trust him in his injury history? Do you trust Delvin Cook on, and his injury history. I mean, he's hasn't had like the big, big injury, but he's definitely missed games every single year. You're absolutely going to have to uh, go up the draft board for his backup. Austin Eckler misses a few games every single year. Der- Derek Henry, who I love, by the way, is coming back off an injury. And I'm actually unique in a sense where I'm going to put him in that tier and I will take him, you know, in the top five to seven picks. Uh, I know, I know that's, uh, you know, we can elaborate that on another <laughs> thing down the road. Um, but there are flags with all these guys, except for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, McCaffrey's injury history is the worst out of all of them. You know, Delvin Cook's got a lot of carries and already has some injury history. Austin Eckler tends to miss some key games every year, though. Austin Eckler and PPR is generally a consensus top five player here. Uh, Najee Harris, people wonder, is he going to catch as many passes without Big Ben? So, you know, you look at this list of running backs that, you know, that wind up in this tier and you think to yourself, do I want to roll the dice on, on a position that has such a high bust rate in the first round, especially over the last few years? Or do I just go ahead and grab Cooper Cup, uh, hope for a guy like, you know, Stefan Diggs or C.D. Lamb or even Debo Samuel coming back? And then bang, bang, I have two stud players that uh, I am more confident in being healthy. I am more confident in producing here. And there's really, to me, there's no right answer in this, right? You're going to have to decide, again, based on where, you're, where you are in the draft 
and based on who is taken before you, how the other people define their tiers compared to your own. And then you're going to have to make a call uh, based on that. Every draft is different. I don't like going in to a uh, draft just, just tied to a particular strategy. And that's kind of back to our recurring theme here. Yeah, I think you teed, teed me up really well because I've done a num- number of these drafts. And while you're right, it, it changes and things might or people might do things differently than you would anticipate. There's more or less a consensus ideal start that I've been liking. And it actually comes from the pick 1.4. So, again, mm-hmm. your first round, the fourth overall spot. Uh, if you are in a league, and honestly, we could talk about this in the future podcast, things that we'd encourage to make the fantasy sports feel better. I wish more leagues would allow you to pick your draft spot. I think that actually adds a layer of strategy. And that's all I want in fantasy sports is just more ways to have strategy. So if you are in a league that picks your spot, 1.4 is my favorite because of this. You get the Jonathan Taylor tier, tier who's normally going 1.1. Fine, if you are unlucky enough to get that, okay, whatever. It's the three wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Cooper Cup, that I actually have as my tier two overall. And I like having the ability to get one of them. I will take any of those wide receivers over Christian McCaffrey, who I have concerns with from a health perspective. Now, this is coming from a full point PPR format. If we were in standard, I will take Derrick Henry number two, which is kind of where you and I are in the same thought process. But in full point PPR, I want one of those three wide receivers. The idea is that I'll get one of those top guys at the position who I think are head and shoulders going to be ahead of the next one, and then hopefully get a running back in round two. And I'll give you some of the guys that I like to target in round two. Uh, there's no point where Austin Eckler is going to fall to that section in a full point PPR format. But maybe Nick Chubb mm-hmm. will. Uh, I I had DeAndre Swift in our Vegas league, which is full point PPR, fall to me at, at 2.10, which is the third pick in the first round if you were to go backwards with that. And then also get Aaron Jones might get to that point as well too. One of those mm-hmm. guys will more than likely be there. Now I want 1.4 because I have no concerns about the wide receiver tier that I mentioned, but I want whatever ability it is to get the best running back available in the next wave back. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my thought process. And to kind of fully flesh this out, how many running backs am I taking within the first three rounds? It really depends from there. If the running back value uh, works out for round three, fine. Uh, we had Jeff Erickson uh, mention this at the Vegas draft. Mandatory Montgomery, David Montgomery, the running back for the Bears. I love that mm-hmm. nickname. That's perfect because I did feel like <laughs> – Did oh, Brad Evans coin that one? <laughs> that, that could be as well too. You know, maybe not. But yeah, I might think about David Montgomery in the third round. Mm-hmm. What what you believe Elvin Kamara's stats will be this season, he's in the perfect mm-hmm. example. Javante Williams, Leonard Fournette is the guy that I'll take in the full-point PPR. No matter how fat he is, I think he'll be fine enough for a PPR format. But that's the, the that's the question that I, I only have to answer – in round three. So if you were to say, Joe, right mm-hmm. now, which spot do you love the most drafting wise? It's 1.4. Now I will just quickly bring up because we had a question in the, in the draft, or I'm sorry, in the channel here. Uh, Jay Reed asks, he has the ninth pick overall. How many running backs should you take through three rounds? I've had the eighth pick in a number of situations and almost by default, I get Delvin cook every time. I think the value is too great. But that's going to lead us to the next part. Mm-hmm. I've, I've the- seen Delvin Cook going too, though, so that you definitely okay. can't make a plan where you're looking at looking at so, that. So Delvin Cook, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, one of those three, or Austin Eckler, one of those four, is going to be there at 1.8 or 1.9. Mm-hmm. I really like the wide receivers, uh, and I feel there's less concerns about the wide receivers, I should say, in round two and three as opposed to the running backs. And I think one of our longtime listeners, Julia J had also mentioned Travis Etienne as like a mid-round guy. Wrong. He's going in the third round along with the Ezekiel Uds and the Saquon Barkley, who's now getting pushed up mm-hmm. with some uh, notable helium. I don't want any of those guys because I think there's reasonable questions with them, whereas the wide receivers in that same spot, I don't know. Here's the part that people aren't realizing. There are starting running backs, like guaranteed they will be effective starting running backs and rounds five and six and seven that I like far more value uh, than everyone else. So Elijah Mitchell is the perfect example. I probably have an 85% roster share of Elijah Mitchell at the moment. I get it, yes. The Niners drafted a running back in the third round. Oh, we know that Kyle Shanahan likes to change things at all time, yada, yada. When Elijah Mitchell was playing, he was the guy, like getting 20 to 25 targets or sorry, touches per game, whether mm-hmm. it be targets or otherwise. And I don't care about a crappy back from LSU who's so, supposed to be their power guy really chipping into that. Maybe Trey Sermon becomes more of a factor or whatever else. I don't know. But it's Elijah Mitchell's show, and then it's the backup to earn there. He's going in round six. That's a starting running back who I guarantee will be running back to production that you're getting in round six. The same could go for a J.K. Dobbins, who I have to imagine falls further down ADP-wise after the news, but maybe or maybe he won't go on the pup list. I think when Dobbins is healthy, he is going to be a factor as well too. But there's the Antonio Gibson, who I, I'm 
I'm fading the Washington offense overall. Going in around six and seven in the Vegas draft, he fell to the back end of the seven. Yeah. That's another guaranteed starter tuna, despite mm-hmm. the workload concerns. He, he will get RB2 value. There's way too many guys in that range. A.J. Dillon, our boy, Packers fan, who is also in that same mm-hmm. category, that I think fit RB2 range quite a bit. So as a result, I want just one RB through the first three rounds, mm-hmm. and whether it be tight end, quarterback, or wide receiver. I know I will get my RB2 value later in the draft. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a couple comments there. Uh, you know, I go back to the 14-team expert league that, that, I, that I'm trying here, and I ended up with A.J. Dillon in the fourth round, you know, at pick five, and then coming back, Antonio Gibson got taken one pick before me. So I think that's that's great value on someone like Gibson. Of course, there's injury risk there, but I will contend that generally it's tough. I mean, fifth round and beyond running backs are getting pretty ugly, and you're definitely going to have to load up the position uh, there. And, you know, I'm and you looking at these 14, guys. You were in a 14 Yeah, this is 14 a 14-team league, so that would yeah. normally be a 15-team guy. But you're looking at either – I mean, I'm just looking at some fifth-round guys uh, – I mean, so Gibson, I talked about Cordero Patterson. I don't trust at all. Chase Edmonds, I don't really trust in a new scene there. I mean, Damian Harris, uh, you know, I'll even go back to the fourth round because we're talking about these, uh, you know, you're looking at Brees Hall, you know, and on paper. Yeah, that could be great, but, but you don't know. So, I mean, this is why it's important, I, I you know, in my eyes, to get to get the running backs early if you can. And uh, to go even to backtrack even a little bit further here, we had the user who asked about pick number nine. I'm mm-hmm. definitely looking at, um, you know, chances are at nine. Most of the drafts that I've seen have, uh, you know, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson going before that. So that makes it really hard to go zero uh, running back. And in that situation, I'm kind of liking Joe Mixon at nine. And, of course, I like Derrick Henry at nine if he falls, which he is in a lot of PPR drafts. And I'd be comfortable even in PPR taking Derrick Henry, uh, you know, at the nine spot. So the nine spot, if we're looking at that in particular, uh, you know, for me, that's one where I think I'm going to target a running back. But if you really are committed to zero running back strategy, think you're going to be an active owner on the waiver wire, then maybe you can start to think about stretching, maybe reaching a little bit for a Devontae Adams or a Debo Samuel or, or heck, you could go Kelsey in that spot. But, uh, uh, you know, those are all, all, all pretty safe picks that you can get there out of nine. But I think the first thing I'm looking to do is to go Mixon or Henry if those guys can fall. And last but not least, I know you love 1.4 as your draft spot. Um, I don't like to overthink this, to be completely honest with you. If I get to pick any draft spot, I'm picking 1.1 every year. No <laughs> doubt about it here. Yeah, it's lame, but you're getting to go to the top of the, you know, you're the top of the round in half of the rounds. You're getting Jonathan Taylor to start, and you're getting two more very, very solid picks here. I've done, you know, the, the best leagues that, that that I've been able to participate in. I've been out of the one spot, and uh, it just makes your draft a whole lot easier. So if you're picking, if you if you draw the first, you get the first shot out of the hat, don't overcomplicate it. Go 1.1. You know, statistically, you'll get the best players, the highest-ranked players on your cheat sheet, and you'll get more opportunities to draft good players. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I agree with you, right? And, and JT is a very safe 1.1 compared to this past seasons that we've had. So I, you know, as the Madison fanboys, we like Jonathan Taylor quite a bit. I will take 1.4 and I, I want the best player in the back turn, which you don't mm-hmm. get at 1.1 if you're, if you're going that direction. So I, I present these questions to you because again, I've done enough drafts where you more or less have an outline. If you go extra edgy, this is what you're more or less giving up. And I want the users and listeners out there to, to at least have an idea of what that will look like, depending on, you know, how things work out for draft. Before we do that, though, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Blue Wire. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, so we're back. And I'm talking about more of these uh, value picks, or at least what's going to happen from a strategy perspective if you are going a certain direction. So let's just play this out. If you go quarterback early, again, that's Josh Mahomes. Yeah, we might as well call it Josh Mahomes and Herbert. I don't know if there's a way to combine all three names, but if you go one of those three quarterbacks, 
you're likely missing out on what most people would say conventional RB2 is. So at least what Jake was describing. So the Ezekiel Elliott's, mm-hmm. the Saquon Barkley's, the ETNs, the mandatory Montgomery, those guys probably are not available for you in round three. Because remember, if you take the, the quarterback round three or four, you're missing out mm-hmm. on the opportunity cost yes. of taking X position. And, and the other thing with that, I just want I want to add on here is uh, say you end up in a draft where someone like Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or even Lamar Jackson is falling to rounds five, six, seven, eight, nine. You're obviously not going to take one of those guys because you used your draft stock uh, on one of those top three players. So you're, you're going back and you're thinking, man, maybe I have to take a receiver or running back that I'm I, I'm mm-hmm. not as high on when the best pick at the position would have been this quarterback with the best value would have been this quarterback, but you're, you're eliminating your ability to do that by taking a quarterback early. And that's just one of the points I forgot when I was, you know, ranting against that earlier in the show. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because then I found like later in drafts, there's in particular value at wide receiver. There's a lot of guys I like, which we'll get to in just a second and, and running back less. So, so it becomes a little bit concerning. I think you have to be sharper with with your thought process. It's not that you can't go quarterback early, but you have to be prepared for what the weaknesses are in your team if you do go the direction. Now, let's say you go running back heavy early. So I'm thinking, uh, again, if you are 1.9, you might take a Joe Mixon, and then you come back and say, hey, Aaron Jones, the full-point PPR league, how can I pass that up? Great. Mm-hmm. You're more than less punting at quarterback. This might be the situation, Jake, that you're discussing, where you'll take a quarterback at round 9, 10, 11, 12, and say, I will get wide receivers in the middle tier. I don't want to sacrifice the value that I'm going to be having early on. And if that's the case, maybe more power too. There's a lot of quarterbacks early, or sorry, later on that we discussed that we like from a value perspective. And you have to hope that this Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence or Kirk Cousins really plays above beyond the expect- expectation. But you went over the history of the quarterbacks in fantasy. It, it happens every year. You just have to get the right one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I would disagree by saying that you're automatically punting quarterback if you get through the first four rounds and there's not one there. I mean, there's still going to be opportunities for you to fill those positions. Absolutely here. Uh, and then the other thought process. Okay, let's say if you want to go wide receiver or pass catcher heavy, and I, I say pass catcher because. At this point, the way the draft season is working out, Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews are top 16 picks both. like You have to consider taking both of them within the top 16 picks. Uh, if you go that direction, you go wide receiver and tight end heavy, you will have to figure out the running back spot, whether it be Chase Edmonds in round seven like I did in the Vegas draft or uh, an Elijah Mitchell, A.J. Dillon double tap within round four and five, something to that extent. You are also punting at quarterback, too. You probably have to wait later on to get quarterback, knowing, A, I need depth at wide receiver, or I need depth at running back later on. Either way, either one of those strategies makes it. However, you have a safer floor that you're discussing from a wide receiver's perspective, like Peter Schenke said in that video on that we have on our YouTube page, where, yeah, you want those guys that are going to be consistent productors for you. There's no, there's no wrong – so there's no right answer for any one of these three strategies, but you do have to be aware of what you're signing yourself up for when you go X, Y, and Z direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, just to reiterate, just because you're waiting out Aaron Rodgers or even, even if you get down to Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins, I don't necessarily call that punting at quarterback unless it's a super flex league and you're and you're waiting that far here. But because uh, um, there's, there's always somebody out there and the 15 to 25 tier for quarterbacks, as I'm looking through this, I'm drooling a little bit. There are some guys people are <laughs> sleeping on that uh, are going to be juicy as ever. And it's just uh, I want to keep those options to take one of these quarterbacks later in the draft and not toss that option out by taking, you know, Mahomes in round two or three. I, I agree. And like I said, as somebody who's went Herbert in, a, in you know, a third of the leagues thus far, I have a feeling I'm going to go, I'm going to go quarterback later on uh, in a lot more of these because I think it just adds a little bit more flexibility. But that's just my way of approaching this. There's a lot of different ways out there. I, I want to like explain at least my thought process and how I wanted a few of these drafts and we'll post the pictures themselves on Twitter after the fact. And that's not mm-hmm. super helpful. But we'll do that after the fact you guys can see. Otherwise there are RotoWire members who already have that out there. Like I'm using this up Nick Whalen's Twitter, which is at W H a one E N new guy. That's taking over for a lot of our social media and, and overall media stuff and doing a great job. He was a participant. I shouldn't say new guy, but he's new to doing this role. I apologize, Nick. Fantasy football. Thank you. Yes. Uh, This is the draft that I'm talking about where the Vegas draft, I did take Herbert round four, and I also took Lamar Jackson seven. In this Mm -hmm. league, when you have 11 other smart people drafting, I don't want somebody to have the advantage of having Lamar Jackson round seven. I will put myself at a disadvantage, theoretically, by taking a quarterback, a second one within the first eight rounds, to make sure you don't have that. And, And maybe I'm wrong. With this and, and Jake, you'll probably laugh at me. I know mm-hmm. many others have at the office thus far, 
but you know what it's like to have a really, really great quarterback on a significant deal. There are so many other things you can do with your roster that uh, others just don't have because you have that quick match. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Can we, uh, can we, since we're talking about quarterbacks, do we touch a little bit on Superflex? I mean, we're getting up to almost 50 minutes already, and yes, this, is, this yes. has been flying by. So, uh, you know, we're, I'm referring to a sleeper draft here, and, um, you know, Punting quarterbacks means something entirely different in a super flex where, uh, you know, for, for the uninitiated, it's your flex spot can include a quarterback, you know, your wide receiver, tight end, running back spot. It can include a quarterback. And, of course, the most advantageous strategy is to use a quarterback in that along with your regular starting quarterback. So it becomes essentially a two quarterback league here. And uh, it's designed to mimic, you know, real life. Uh, you know, NFL where the quarterback is the most important position. Thank you for finding those, Joe. I was trying to get that, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'll, so, pull the, I'm, I'll pull the I'm, flex one. Yeah, I'm with two computers here, but anyway, <laughs> um, the the so I was looking at your. I did not participate in this uh, Vegas league on sleeper, but uh, the first four picks were quarterbacks, and then Sasha went Jonathan Taylor at 1.5, and he took. And then basically after, uh, on the way back, he got Matt Stafford. And then he waited till way, way down the line to uh, to get another quarterback. And I think because he did that, he was able to load up his roster with one of the deepest and incredibly and, and most incredible stacked teams here. You know, so he has Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb are his one, two, Leonard Fournette, Deontay Johnson, David Montgomery, Amari Cooper, Smith Schuster, Ertz, all before he ended up taking Mariota, then got Renfro down the line. And uh, I mean, this is just the team. I love this team more than any other team in here. And it's because he punted quarterback in the super flex league, you know, Stafford will be stable. He'll probably have to play the wire a little bit because he's got guys like, you know, his last three picks, he did quantity over quality, right? He's got Ritter. He's got Huntley. He's got, he's got Willis, you know, young guys that we don't even know if we're going to play. So he's going to have to count on one of those guys to maybe break out, but the rest of his roster looks so good because he's getting elite tier one or tier two players that fill out all of his skill. And again, it's, it's just a super flex. You don't necessarily have to start, uh, you know, the quarterback there. So you can always, until one of your lottery tickets hit, you can wait it out and do that. So I'm actually, listen, you know, I've only, only one or two of my leagues are super flex leagues every year. So I don't proclaim to be the super flex expert, but every time I see, and I look at someone trying to punt quarterbacks in a super flex league, I end up liking their team way more than everybody else. And that could very well just be me, but uh, it's, it's something to watch. And it's a strategy to certainly perhaps consider if you're going into one of these types of drafts. Well, we're going to talk about because I actually I did punt and not to the extent that you're discussing with with Sasha, but I also did punt quarterback too. And, and maybe it's because I am a fantasy football dummy. I'm not sure. But if you do love fantasy football and struggle to get your friends or loved ones interested, you're in luck. Fantasy football for dummies is the book for you. It takes anyone by the hand and walks them through everything you need to know about playing fantasy football from the basics of drafting to more advanced concepts, concepts and strategies for weekly play in the playoffs. I mean, if you're not listening to this podcast, I think this book would be the way to go. There's even a new section devoted to daily fantasy sports and how to win real cash prizes. With this book, your friends and loved ones will get you up to speed on your favorite game and be able to hold their own in any fantasy football league. They'll have all the information at their fingertips to make the informed decision on how to have a successful draft, who to start and who to bench each week. And finally, they can experience the thrill of victory and hopefully avoid the agony of defeat against their competition. Who knows? They might even get good enough to beat you as well. Share the love and purchase your copy of Fantasy Football for Dummies today. And, and again, I say maybe I'm the dummy because I did punt quarterback to an extent in the Superflux draft. I had 1.6, not quite on my 1.4 favorability scale, but it's fine. I was worried that if I had 1.5, I would have to take Jonathan Taylor because I, I really didn't want to do that in a Superflux league where, again, if you're unfamiliar with this, Superflux means there, there's a starting quarterback – there's a starting quarterback that's played, and then one of the flex positions will be another quarterback. So I took Lamar Jackson at 1.6, and then I followed that up with Mark Andrews. This was a tight end premium draft, so you get 1.5 mm-hmm. points for reception uh, per tenant. I thought Andrews and Kelsey, to some extent as well, fell way below their value. But I, I, I was okay looking at my James Conner and my Elijah Mitchell as my running back one and two because I knew I was going to have value at running back. It was wide receiver that I really wanted to imagine. So I took Stephon Diggs and Mike Evans in my round three and round four selection. I like both Diggs and Evans significantly more than any of the wide receivers you mentioned on the previous team. Uh, and then I was able to get my quarterbacks, my, my super flex quarterbacks, either Mac Jones or Jameis Winston. I thought a respectable round seven mm-hmm. and eight price take. That's way better team than Marcus Mariota, who you had mentioned is a guy that you like that I took two rounds later. Why are you why are you hating to my draft, Jake? 
Oh, you know, you know what? I'm not necessarily hating on your draft. I just didn't even mention it. I was just <laughs> infatuated with Sasha's draft. Uh, but no, the draft is fine here. I, I actually like Mac Jones. I mean, I think uh, you know we, we were talking about some of those young quarterbacks that uh, that you know have a chance that they could take a step. You know, Mac Jones has basically already taken that step, so it's easy for him to get overlooked. But you know, if he improves by as much of a margin as we're expecting some of those other guys to, you know, to improve upon, then, Hey, maybe you could have something. And, uh, and I, I mean, there, there are some, yeah, I have questions about the receiving core there, but the uh, it's a strong group of running backs here. There's a good tight end combo here. Um, you know, outside of, I, I'm loving Jacoby Myers price in PPR mm. leagues. And he's one of those guys that you can, uh, can get relatively cheap, you know, more of a full PPR guy than anything else. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm fine. If you got Mac Jones as your quarterback too, and you could know that he wasn't going to go until the seventh round and you could load up, you can get your tight end, you know, two solid wideouts, two, you know, decent running backs uh, and then wait and still get Mac Jones. I'd be all about that draft. I think that, that, that one works for me. Your strategy is solid there. This is why I like doing the podcast with you, Jake, because there's, a lot of different ways that we view fantasy sports. And again, nothing's really wrong with it. I actually really liked Peter Shanky's draft, and I'm not just sucking up to the boss here. Uh, but in the Superflex draft, he had 1.11. So you think about it, theoretically, 10 other quarterbacks could go. I think in this draft, we had six mm-hmm. or seven go in the first round. You're putting it yourself at a disadvantage if you do continue on that train. He said, no, I'm, I'm just going to go right into the skid here and, and get the best guys at another position, drafted both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. You think about that tantalizing wide receiver combo, but mm-hmm. he was able to get both Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan, who we both like to some later on value QBs in rounds three and four, mm-hmm. and then figure out the rest of his roster with yeah. running backs that I mentioned, Dobbins, yeah. Gibson, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard. Out of those four, two are at least going to be startable. That's the type mm-hmm. of draft that I want after a Super Yeah, Yeah, I mean, even Daryl Henderson a couple spots down. You know, you, some of these guys you don't get too excited about. about but that was uh, a perfectly executed zero running back draft. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. I, I'm glad that you have that there. I, I love that Julia asked me this question. She said, she said Joe, you've drafted Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller. Technically, the backup running back for the Chargers of both drafts. What makes you higher than uh, the Ronald Jones? I guess – this is a great way to kind of segue into the last little bit of the show, which is discussing some of our late round values. I actually think Ronald Jones is a good later round value. And again, I'm thinking rounds nine through 12 ish range, but Isaiah Spiller is going to get the guaranteed workload. And I think also be a bit more of a pass catcher than what Ronald Jones is going to do. You think about what Clyde Edwards Lair will be for the chiefs, primarily their pass catcher in the same way Daryl Williams, you know, was for the chiefs. Edwards Lear will do some rushing, but also pass catching. I think Ronald Jones is strictly the runner, whereas the Chargers, if Isaiah Spiller, who will be a runner, and yes, I think between the tackles, and also do some pass catching. We've seen the Chargers, uh, certainly last year, both Austin Eckler and Brandon Staley say, we need more help at running back two. Eckler can't do everything. We need more help, and none of those guys stepped to the plate. You yep. draft Spiller in the fourth round for that exact reason. I think he is mm-hmm. one of my favorite later round running back values right now of this entire uh, draft. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw one out, uh, another one out there for you. I mean, Spiller is around 110 in NFFC ADP. Another one is James Cook around 116. I mean, the Bills have never really, uh, you know, committed to Singletary. I think there's a uh, there's room for someone else to get in, in into the mix there, and it's tough because you have a rookie when Zach Moss and, and Duke Johnson are around. But I I don't know I uh, I don't know if all four of those guys will make it uh, through training camp and and through roster cuts here. True. So uh, so James Cook is an interesting one because you have in theory the number one offense in the entire national football league, quite possibly that's their ceiling, of course. And uh, you could possibly get a running back that even if he's not the, the, the bell cow, you're talking about 15, 20 touches a game. And there's certain value in that, especially if he can separate himself as more as, as more effective than a single Terry, which hasn't necessarily been too tough to do over the years there. So that's maybe a, a running back sleeper that you could go to and uh, maybe put on your target, highlight him. If you're going with the zero RB strategy. There's going to be other guys that we mentioned throughout the podcast mm-hmm. in the ensuing weeks, but at least for right now, Isaiah yeah. Spiller and to a lesser extent Rashad White are two guys that I like quite mm-hmm. a bit. You had mentioned a wide receiver in Jacoby Meyer, who certainly would qualify as a mm-hmm. later round wide receiver value. And you're right in full point mm-hmm. PPR formats. He's great. I'm thinking round eight and nine. Again, if I can one, two tap these guys in both Alan Lazard and Christian Kirk, I will be happy every single day of the week. I have made my Alan Lazard pick 
uh, wide receiver three on some rosters, and I feel completely confident. I actually have a spoiler for people listening after the fact, a TikTok coming out that's highlighting Alan Lazard as a value pick beyond all value picks. But overall, I think Lazard and both Christian Kirk are tremendous values that I like a lot, and even more so, again, rounds eight and nine. There's guys a little bit later on, too, whether it be Chase Claypool or Russell Gage in that same-ish range that I, I find can be certainly quality wide receiver three and fours for your team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are going to be situations where the running back value in rounds one and two are is just too good to pass up. Maybe you use one of your first three picks on Travis Kelsey. Maybe you you think we're both full of it, and you go ahead and throw <laughs> and throw uh, you know Allen or Mahomes in there. Then you're starting to. I mean. You're you're weakening your wide receivers, and you're looking at guys like this as wide receivers two, three, even beyond here. And you're uh, and you're you could take even a quantity over quality approach and stack up guys like a like a Tim Patrick. I mean, you know, uh, post hype sleepers like Tony and Ayuk, uh, guys you might be able to buy low on and hope that you can get something out of here. Um, I mentioned Jacoby Myers for sleep for cheap. I know, uh, you know, people are really heating up on KJ Osborne as a potential sleeper. And there are retreads that you can get later on in the draft guys like Jarvis Landry, Corey Davis, Randall Cobb, that you might be able to get something out of. So, uh, um, you know, those are some of the guys that you're going to be looking at if you're sacrificing wide receivers in the first three to five rounds. All right. Well, that does it for us uh, on the Tuesday edition of the World War NFL podcast. Again, we'll be back next week and every other week moving forward up and through the entire regular season of the NFL uh, ideally during actual regular season date, we'll have waiver wire pickups to discuss. But I think for next week, it's going to be more tailored to the auction draft strategy, what you're going to be doing in those types of leagues, and a little bit of keeper stuff mixed in there too, hopefully, if all things go my way. If you want any of those results from the draft, I know I post them in the channel here, uh, but we can I can certainly be glad to post them at my Twitter yeah. as well too, JB Fantasy Sports, mm-hmm. uh, or at Roto Jacobs or Jacob, we find us on those out too. But any other mm-hmm. questions that you guys have, certainly feel free to direct them our way on Twitter. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Dynasty Owner. We'll be back again next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.